Welcome to the Hope Elam Podcast. We are a diverse church in the heart of Des Moines, seeking to bring God's kingdom as we live more like Jesus. We hope that what you're about to hear points you to Jesus Christ. Know that we're praying for you and look forward to connecting with you soon. is at your center. Everybody say center. What is at your center? What is the thing, what is the the person or the thing that holds all of life together for you? And ultimately, who is it that you trust the most in this life? Who is at your center? Well, good morning once again, Hope Elam. We're so glad that you're here. And if you're joining us for the first time again, I want to say a huge welcome to you. If I haven't had a chance to connect with you yet, would love to do that. We love new people here at Hope Elam, whether you're in the room or the many that are worshiping with us online. Just a, a reminder of this. Sometimes you may walk past these cameras and everything all over the stage. What are all these cables and cameras? It's because there are people worshiping with us from across the state, from across the nation, and on a regular basis across the world. So praise God for that. Well, Welcome. We're so glad that you're here. It's good to be the church. What is at your center? What is at the core of you? What holds it all together for you? That's really the question that this opening video is getting to that's at the heart of this powerful, powerful passage that you heard read from Colossians chapter 1 this morning. One of the things I love about the Apostle Paul and the way that he writes is he just gets right into it. Paul was so passionate about the supremacy of Jesus Christ that when he writes these letters that he's speaking to the early churches that he's writing to, he just gets right after it. He doesn't mix punches. He doesn't beat around the bush. And Paul says things like this, that the Son is the image of the invisible God. For in him all things were created. All things have been created through him and for him. Let me see if you're awake this morning. And his name is? And his name is? Jesus. That's what we're about. If you are new and you have any question or doubt about what we're about as a church, what's his name? It's Jesus. He holds all things together. That's what we're about as a church. He's the reason that we're gathered here this morning. He's the reason that when you got up this morning that you have breath in your lungs. He's the reason that we worship him. He's the reason that we serve. He's the reason we exist as a church. He's the reason that no matter what your past week was like, when we entered into those doors this morning into God's house, he is worthy of our worship no matter what is going on in our lives. Amen? He is Jesus. He's the one we worship, he's the one we serve, and he is the one that is holding all things together, as Colossians 1 says. And we know that, and some of you maybe believe that in your head and your heart this morning, but I just want to dive right into it and the dilemma that you and I face in our lives. Yes, that's what God's word promises. Yes, that's maybe what you believe cognitively or mentally in your head. That God is, yes, he's holding all things together, right? He's got, don't make me sing it alone. He's got the whole world in his hands, right? We believe that. We sang that as a child. But a lot of us don't live like that's true. That God has got the whole world in his hands. That he's holding it all together. If we're honest, life feels sometimes like it's a little bit more (laughs) broken into pieces. 
And as I was reflecting on this text this week and thinking about everything that's going on in our world, war, disaster, disease, everything that's going on in our city, it feels like there's more and more school violence, guns in the the hands of teenagers, teenagers having to deal with things that they should never have to deal with, parents worried and stressed for their safety, things going on in our city, issues that feel, feel like we can't fix on our own. It feels, instead of God holding all things together, it actually, if we're honest, feels like things are falling apart. And maybe for you, that's true in your own life. Maybe there are some things right now that as you look to the future, seem very, very uncertain. That you would like to see the whole picture coming together, but it's not a complete picture by any means. It feels instead like you're just holding pieces and trying to hold it all together. Maybe this last year, the last couple years have broken things apart for you. There's losses, there's grief, there's sorrow, there's pain, there's relational struggle, there's financial hardship of whatever it is, and it feels like things are falling apart more than held together. And I remember, if you can remember, it seems like about a decade ago, but it was two years ago, the year 2020. Remember that awesome decade that we had, the year 2020? It felt like everything was falling apart. And this was very, very early on in our merger. If you're kind of wondering what's Hope and what's Elam, because I know a lot of you just walked in, you're like, this is my church. What are you talking about, two different churches? And that's awesome. We love it that you're here, that you're new. But long ago, in a galaxy far, far away, there was two churches that came together. And sometime I'll be up here with my cane when I'm 85 saying, I remember. Um, when we did this thing, and it was great, well, in the year 2020, we, we started to do some outdoor worship services, and some of you were there, but not a lot of you were, and I remember preaching on this text, and I remember thinking about a God that is holding all things together, and in that moment, life was very, very uncertain. We didn't know what was coming, and here we are two years later, and I think that God wants to remind us of that, and he brought this message back to mind. Just a show of hands, um, how many of you the last two years have gone exactly like you planned? Anybody? Okay. If you have your hand up, you're lying. Don't, don't, don't lie in church, right? We had this image of like, oh, I'm going to go on vacation, and this is what my relationships are going to look like, and this, all, this is what my kids are going to do, and this is what school is going to be like. That picture was shattered pretty quickly, wasn't it? We don't have a picture. We've got pieces. But if you think about it in a much larger sense, every single one of us has a picture or an image of what we thought our life was going to look like in May of 2022, right? Maybe, maybe this is the way my life's going to look like. This is what my house is going to look like. This is what my marriage is going to be like. This is what my, my kids are going to be doing and how well they're going to behave all the time. This is what my life is going to look like. This is what kind of job I'm going to have. This is how much money I'm going to be making. We get this picture in our heads, But I think if we're honest, life doesn't come to us like a complete picture. If we're honest, life comes to us in pieces. Some of you are wondering if I brought my kids' toys up here, and yes, I did. And I'm going to make a mess. I'm just going to say that right now, okay? We're going to have some fun today. Life doesn't come to us in a complete picture. Life comes to us in pieces. Lots and lots Pieces. I might regret that later, but that was fun. <laughs> Maybe our camera folks can zoom, zoom in on that. Life comes to us in pieces. Life is handed to us one piece 
at a time. You're not born, you don't go through puberty, you don't become a teenager, you don't go to college, you don't get married, you don't enter parenting, you don't find a job, and all of a sudden God says, here, here's the complete picture of this Star Wars galactic battleship that I stole from my son, right? Thank you, buddy, you can just put it right there. Life doesn't come to us in a complete picture. If we're honest, life happens a little bit more like this. God says, here's a piece, and you're like, what? It doesn't make any sense. The other week, uh, a couple weeks ago, I was playing Legos like we do at our house, especially over the last couple years. We've played a lot of Legos. And we've, parents feel me on this one, stepped on a lot of Legos. I know you think that your pastors are perfect, but this pastor has some choice words when he steps on a Lego, okay? <laughs> Don't worry, I've confessed my sins, I've been forgiven, it's all good. But nobody wants to step on a Lego. And I remember putting this set together with my son, and normally he can just put them together. I mean, this is eight plus. He's nine now. He should have just whipped this thing together, but for some reason it wasn't coming together, and there was a couple parts that he just couldn't figure out, and he was getting so frustrated. I was right there next to him, and I said, you let me know if you need help with all of these pieces, but he just, they, they weren't coming together, and over and over again, Dad, I'm so frustrated. I'm so frustrated with this because it, it doesn't match, and maybe I'm, it feels like I'm missing some pieces, and they're, they're not in the, the box, and I'm shaking it. If any more came out, it doesn't look like the instruction manual at all. And so I'm, I'm, I'm looking through, and he said, Dad, it's not working. I'm so frustrated. It's not coming together. What do you do when the pieces don't match the picture? Now I'm preaching now, okay? This isn't about Legos anymore, okay? <laughs> what do you do when the pieces of your life that you're holding that don't make sense don't match the picture of God's promises? What do you do when the pieces don't match the picture? What do you do when the process doesn't match the promise? And some of you are right there right now. What, what, what do you do when it, when it doesn't feel <laughs> like it makes sense? any sense. You're, you're holding some of these pieces, and, and I put myself in my son's shoes, because nothing has taught me more about God as father than having a son. And he's sitting there looking at these, and I, putting my picture in his mind. I paid $45 for this spaceship, and what did I get? Pieces. They got holes in them. I got gypped. And some of you walked into worship this morning like this. What am I supposed to do with this, God? What am I supposed to do with this marriage now? What am I supposed to do with my faith that feels like it's in pieces? What am I supposed to do with my life situation? What am I supposed to do with my addiction? What was I supposed to do with this picture that, God, you promised me? And now I got to go through some kind of process to put it all together. Oh, I'm not just preaching about Legos anymore. All, I mean, you could go start to finish in God's word. Let's start in Genesis. We'll get out of here by noon, okay? Let's start in Genesis, okay? <laughs> Genesis chapter 15. God says to Abraham, hey, Abraham, go out and count the stars. Every single, okay, one, two, three, okay, quite a few of them. So shall your descendants be. That's how many. God gave Abraham the picture and then he handed him a piece, and he said, take everything that you've ever known, all of it, and go into the unknown. Go leave everything behind and travel. Leave your home country. God gives them a piece. God gives them a piece. Skip ahead to the Israelites in, in uh, Exodus chapter 16. God rescues them from the land of Egypt. 
does everything possible to provide for them, to show that he's with them. They're in the middle of the desert. And God provides manna for them every single day. It's not the whole picture. It's not the promised land yet. God gives them manna every day at a time. Give us this day our daily bread. God's people have been needing to learn that, and we're still needing to learn that. God gives them a piece, but tells them there's a picture of the promised land. You don't get the promised land. You don't get there right away. God gives you a peace, and yet God's people are complaining. I don't know, I don't know, God, if you're going to provide. Can you imagine God's heart as a father? When will they understand that the last 279 days I've provided manna for them? And on day 280, I don't know, God. I don't know if you're going to come through. I don't know if these pieces are all going to come together and make sense. It's not just an Old Testament thing. It's a New Testament thing. Man, you could go to almost any story that Jesus does a miracle. Disciples are freaking out. There's 5,000 people. That's just men, not counting. They didn't count the women and children at that day. 10, 15,000 people. And the disciple is like, I don't know, Jesus. How, how are we going to feed all these people? Jesus gives them a picture and says, I'm going to feed them. Don't, don't you know that your heavenly father is going to provide for you? And the disciples come up to Jesus and they're like, um, got a few, uh, few loaves and fishes. Jesus says, that's enough. That's enough. Put your pieces of your life in my hand. Jesus gives them the picture, I'm going to feed all these people. But life comes to us in pieces. Jesus doesn't cater a buffet. Jesus says, give me what the little boy has. Amen? And he says the same thing to you as well. What is God trying to tell us story after story after story, day after day after day of our lives as he continues to provide for us? You can't judge the picture by the peace. Amen? You can't judge the picture by the peace. Over and over again, God has shown us this and as a church as well. God's given us a very clear picture. Our mission, reach out to the world around us and share the everlasting love of Jesus Christ as a church. This is who we're called to be. Christ-centered, Bible-based, spirit-filled, multicultural church in the city. That's the picture, but the picture is still coming together a little bit, isn't it? For some of you, it's still in pieces a little bit. For some of you, you, start, you see it start to take, take shape and take form in and, and an octopus Barbie car that my daughter wanted me to mention in the sermon. So here you go, Evie. And it's starting to come. She left me a note and said, Dad, please use this in your sermon. That's how you know you're a pastor's kid. It's starting to come together, but some of you are like, I don't know. I don't know about Hope Elam because the pieces don't seem to match the picture quite yet, or at least in my preference of how that's all going to look. And that's okay because I just want to remind you that most of life is not lived here with it all put together. Most of life is lived here. In the middle of the pieces, in the middle of the not yet, and some of you are judging the picture by the pieces that you have that don't seem to make any sense. The question is, what do you do when you don't know what to do? It's graduation season. Some of you are transitioning in jobs. You're making career changes. You're looking for your first job. Your kids are moving out of the house for the first time. You're becoming empty nesters for the first time. This is uncharted territory. What do you do when you don't know what to do? What do you do when you're holding some pieces? God's word speaks directly to this in a very interesting spot. If you have your Bibles, go to John chapter 11. John chapter 11, and we find a story <laughs> filled with pieces. John chapter 11. God's word speaks directly to this, and we pick up the story in verse 17. I'll read it for you, and then we'll backtrack. When Jesus arrived at Bethany, 
he was told that Lazarus had already been in the grave for four days. So let's back up and make sense of this mess that we find in John 11. Jesus isn't just arriving at any funeral. He's arriving at the funeral of Lazarus, which in those days wasn't an hour thing with cake and potato salad afterwards. It, it's, it's a long, drawn-out week. People have been there for four days. Lazarus has been dead in the tomb for four days. It's a mess. There's pieces everywhere. Lazarus was a young man, even in those days considered a young man. Lazarus was Jesus' best friend, the brother of Mary and Martha, some of Jesus' closest friends while he was here on this earth. This doesn't make sense. Young men, young women aren't supposed to die this soon. This doesn't at all look like the picture of what's supposed to happen, especially when Jesus is supposed to show up. Jesus was informed about this a couple days ago. Don't you care, Jesus? It's the same thing that the disciples said when they were in the middle of the boat in the storm with Jesus. Jesus, don't you care if we drown? And I'm guessing a lot of the people there were thinking the same thing. Jesus, where have you been? My life has fallen apart. It's in pieces. Lazarus is dead, and some of you are thinking the same thing about something in your life. Where were you when? Fill in the blank. What do you do when the pieces don't match the picture. Number one, Jesus gives us a beautiful piece of, picture of this, and I don't want to skip over it. You enter into the pain. You invite Jesus into your pain. How do you know you can trust Jesus in your pain with the pieces of your life? Watch what Jesus doesn't do. Jesus could have showed up on the scene and said, hey, everybody, I'm the God of the universe. I'm the King of kings, and I'm the Lord of lords. I'm the one that wrote the manual for what you're going through right now. I have all the answers. I have the picture. I know how to make sense of all the pieces. So why don't you just shape up or ship out? Just get over your sorrow. Get over your grief. Stop with all the feelings. I'm going to fix it, and I'm going to fix you. That's pastoral care, one-on-one, -on -one, right there, right? <laughs> Sometimes the disciples flunked that as well. Sometimes we watch what Jesus did. Sometimes we have to watch what Jesus didn't do. He didn't do any of that. Instead, the, one of the shortest verses in all of Scripture, John 11, verse 33, simply says, Jesus wept. I like to translate it sometimes just for a different effect. God cried. God cried. And I just want to remind you of that this morning. Where is God in the middle of your mess? Where is God in the middle of a city and a world and a human heart that feels like it's in pieces, right in the middle of it, right in the middle of it. The Christian response to pain and grief and sorrow and doubt and uncertainty isn't get over it. It isn't figure it out by your own strength. It's not suck it up. It's not have more faith. The Christian response to pain and grief and sorrow and hurt and feelings of any kind is I am a human being created in the image of God. And feelings are a testament to the fact that I was made in the image of God. And to deny those emotions, to deny emotional health, is to deny and set aside and push aside a part of my humanness. Instead, to follow Jesus, to be a Christian, is to also say, I'm going to recognize those emotions and feelings, whatever you're in this morning, 
But ultimately, those feelings and those emotions don't define me. Jesus defines me. Amen? He gets the final word on my life. My feelings don't. My emotions don't. Jesus gets the final word on my life. Why? Because that's not the end of this story. In the same story that Jesus wept, Jesus looks at Mary and Martha and he says this. You've heard it once and let's read it again together. John eleven twenty five. 25. Jesus says this. I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live, even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never die. Jesus, yes, he comes into the picture of the pieces and he offers compassion, but he also offers hope, real hope. Not optimism, not the power of positive thinking, not sending some positive vibes your way. I don't even know what that means. But when we're faced with what we're faced with, as a people, I need way more than positive vibes. I need the resurrection and the life, and you do too. Amen? That's what we need. That's what we need. Real hope. The pieces never get the last word on the picture. The pieces never get the last word on the picture. We know this because back to the story. Look, skip down to verse 43. The same Jesus that just met them in their pain and sat with them in their grief stares into a tomb and says, Lazarus, come out. And says, Lazarus, come out. Verse 44, and the dead man came out, his hands and feet bound in grave cloths, his face wrapped in a head cloth. Jesus said to them, don't mind the stench. No, he didn't say that. Jesus told them, unwrap him and let him go. Hundreds of people had most likely been at this grave site for four days, thinking it's over. The pieces don't match the picture. It's over. The story is done. But what they did is they forgot who's ultimately in control of life and death. Amen? And his name is what? It's Jesus. They forgot who's in control. And sometimes you and I forget who's in control as well. When life is in pieces, we invite, number one, we invite Jesus into our pain. And number two, we remember who's in control. We remember who's in control. Any uh, fellow control freaks out there like me? Okay, seven of you. I know there's more than that. You just don't want to admit it. You're in denial because you're trying to control your vulnerability. We struggle with control. It seems so simple, but here's the truth. At the root of all fear is the realization that we are not in control. At the root of all anxiety is the realization that we are not in control. And that can drive you farther away from God, or that can drive you to God in humility. Something I've realized about myself recently, as I've been, like I told you a few weeks ago, that I've been meeting with my therapist, meeting with my counselor, talking about different things that I'm working through as a human being as well. Something I've realized is that uh, my anxiety comes from me not remembering who's in control. That I get this in my head, that I feel like I'm more in control of things, that I, that I try to control things that are beyond my pay grade. And what I've realized and what he helped me see is that sometimes I mix up responsibility, my responsibility with God's sovereignty. I might need to say that one again just for myself. Sometimes I get confused at the difference between my responsibility in life and ultimately God's 
sovereignty. Our anxiety comes when we try to put all the pieces together ourselves. My confirmation verse when I was in ninth grade growing up in Story City, Iowa, was Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 through 6. And this week, God showed it to me in a whole new light. Let's read this together. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your paths straight. Who's going to make your paths straight? Who's going to put the pieces back together? See, sometimes we get that mixed up. And what is our role in that? What, is, what does God call us to do? Don't freak out. Lean not on your own understanding. What does he call us to do? In all your ways, submit. Oh, sign me up for that. I love submitting. I love that. Anybody really good at submitting and surrendering to God, right? I'm really good at that. This should take the pressure off. What does God say? Trust in the Lord. Sometimes we think, trust God, I really got to trust, and I got to stress out to trust you. Which is the opposite of what this verse, God is saying, I'm going to make your path straight. I'm going to show you the future. I'm going to put the pieces back together. I'm the one that wrote the manual. Your job is to submit. Your job is to surrender. A lot of times what we do is that we think we're in control when we're really not. Whatever it is that we feel like we need to control, whatever the path is, whatever the pieces are of our lives, we feel like we're the ones that have to put that back together, that we're ultimately in control of it, that I've got to find a better marriage, that I've got to find, uh, find love, I've got to find freedom for my addiction, I've got to find a new church home, I've got to find real friends. It's, it's, it's Caleb looking at all the, the pieces saying, I, I just can't figure it out. It's, it's, it's Abraham saying, why, why are you calling me to leave everything behind? If the Israelites saying, why did you take us out of Egypt just to make us starve? It's the disciples saying, what a couple loaves and fishes this is going to be. It's just not making sense, Jesus, and it's us trying to control. And I've said it once, and I'll say it again. God's ability to provide does not depend on us understanding how. And some of us think that God can't do it because I can't see it. God can't do it because I can't see it. Think how twisted that is. You're talking about the God of the universe. Oh, God, I can't see it, so I don't know if you're capable of doing it. And God's like, did you forget who's God and who's not? I don't want a God that I can understand. I want a God that I can worship. Amen? And some of us get that all twisted together. I can't make my path straight. I can't put the pieces back together. Good. That means you're not God and he is. And that should increase our trust. God doesn't need you to cognitively understand how he's going to make your life work in order to make it work. Submit to me and I will make your paths straight. Some of us are in a situation right now and we've prayed about it multiple times and you know that God's sovereign right hand is upon it. And then here's what you and I love to do. God, I'm not sure if I exactly trust you, so I'm just going to kind of gently put my hand on top of your hand, and I'll just kind of guide, because I don't really know, God, if you know what you're doing, and I have some preferences and opinions about how this thing in my life should go, so I'm just going to come along with my hand and just kind of massage it a little bit to get things going so that I'm in control, right? What does God say? (laughs) What does God say? You are never holding me up. I'm holding you up by my righteous right hand. And if we would humble ourselves and realize that we are not the ones in control, we will say, in all your ways, submit from the top 
to the bottom and say, God, your will, your way, your timing, your agenda, I trust you, right? You're the one moving the pieces around. For some of you today, giving up control is as simple as this to this. God's hand is much bigger and stronger than yours anyway. His hands are the ones that are holding the whole world together. Think, think about it this way. Sometimes we just need different examples or ways of thinking about it. Sometimes you might think that the people that stand on this stage week after week are the ones that really have the power, the ones that really have the, the control, you know, the, the worship leaders or the, the scripture reader, you know, that can project their voice. And we get these fancy little headsets right here that sometimes I've walked out into the parking lot because it just becomes attached to my body, right? I just think, oh, I have all the power. I have all the, you know, Pastor Hurst, Pastor John, all these worship leaders up here, they're the ones that, that, that are speaking, and I just got to listen to whatever's coming out of their mouth. And what, what, what you don't realize is that there's somebody that you can't see. You might say this to my this. There's somebody that you can't see that is behind the scenes that you don't realize is there. If he does his job, you shouldn't see him or recognize it at all. You think I have all the power. And no matter what I do and how powerful I try to be, ultimately, I can move my mouth up here, but that would be difficult. And I can talk pretty loud, but my normal conversation voice is about right here. And let's just say that he turned off the mic, and it would be very, very quiet. Because I don't have the ultimate power, amen? I don't have the control, okay? Here's the thing. Okay, enough of the illustration. Now I need my mic, Eric, okay? I could, I could run all over the stage and I could go to all these different microphones and I could run all over and I could try to hold as much power and control as I can. I, it might even be resting on my ears, on my headset. Here's the truth I don't want you to miss. I might be, you might be holding it, but we're not controlling it, amen? There is... There is somebody that we can't see that's behind the scenes that is ultimately in control of our lives, that is putting all the pieces together. And just because you don't see him doesn't mean that he's not there. This is the truth. Man, if we could get that about our, our time, about our relationships, just think about that for a second. I'm holding it, but I'm not controlling it. Your money your resources, what God's given you. Oh, I don't know, this church. My preferences, my ideas, what choices my kids make. I'm holding it, but I'm not controlling it. I'm ultimately not in control. Abraham had responsibility, but God had control. The Israelites had responsibility to trust God for manna every day, but God's the one in control that's going to provide. The disciples had a responsibility. Jesus said, go feed them lunch. With what, Jesus? But he's the one in control. Sometimes we get our responsibility confused with God's sovereignty. We might be holding some pieces today, but I'm going to put my hope in the one that wrote the manual. And so I'm going to take my hand and put it underneath God's hand to say, I trust you. Because the last time I checked, Jesus is the only one that stared into a grave and a dead man came walking out. 
The last time I checked, Jesus is the only one that somehow moved a two-ton stone and a legion of Roman soldiers and, oh, I don't know, defeated death and came walking out of his own grave as well. So that's who I'm trusting this morning. I'm going to put my hope and my trust in him. Is there anything that he can't do? What do you do when it's hard to trust? What do you do when the pieces don't fit? You invite Jesus into your pain. You remember who's in control. And last but not least, you look for obstacles to become divine opportunities. You don't run away from obstacles. You look for divine opportunities. There's another pastor at this church that told me this week, sometimes everything that you want is on the other side of hard. That's like the story of the Bible. Talk to any of these groups. Sometimes God wants to take us through the process of putting the pieces back together. So back to John chapter 11 one last time. Jesus looks at this situation and he steps forward in courage. Jesus steps forward in power. Jesus steps forward in control and he says, I'm going to use this hopeless situation in these people's lives to demonstrate my power. Jesus does this all the time. What if Jesus is going to use an impossible situation in your life to just bring glory to God? What if he's looking at a situation and he's like, nothing is impossible for me? And he looks around. I imagine Jesus just in that moment looking around at all the people that are weeping. I'm going to use this impossible situation to show them that nothing is impossible for God. And he calls Lazarus out of the grave. God says, and he says to you this morning, I didn't cause all the broken pieces, but I'm going to put them back together and use them for glory. I didn't cause all the broken pieces in your life, but I'm going to redeem them. I'm going to turn ashes to beauty. I'm going to make something out of nothing and not just something. It's going to be glorious. When the, what the people needed in that moment was a God that comforted. They needed a God who offered hope. And then they needed a God that did something about it, that stepped forward in courage. And if we're going to be a church after Jesus' own heart in the world that we live in that's full of brokenness and pain and heartache and more questions than answers, let's be a church that offers incredible compassion, incredible hope, and then steps forward in courage. Amen? God has called us to be a church that doesn't look at the state of the world and look at the city around us and say, oh, let's hide. Let's run away. Let's hole up. Let's be a little holy huddle and have a church service once a week and just pretend that the world's not falling apart out there. No, we bring our pain to Jesus. We remember who's in control and then we get outside the walls of this church and we step forward in courage to a God that goes before us. Amen? That's what we're called to do. Man, and for the last year, that's what you've done. I'm looking at all these broken pieces up here and here's what I see over the last year and a half, Hope Elam. God, with his hand on top of our hand, guiding and helping us put all the pieces together. During the pandemic, a lot of people fell away from church. They fell away from community. You know what I've been seeing over the last three to six months? All of you starting to invite people back. 
God's doing something here, and it's not just for me. It's not just for me. It's not just for me. Who can I invite this week? Who can I get coffee with? Who can I get lunch with? Going up to complete strangers, inviting your neighbor, going to the coffee shop, inviting people in, turning an obstacle into an opportunity. A lot of the other thing that happened during the pandemic is a lot of people were coming out of isolation and were just de- they were lonely and they in need of community. And so what did we do right away? We started this thing called Community Night. I remember when we were thrilled that we gave out 30 meals. And then shortly after, we, we started breakfast and, and it provided a place to build relationships that we moved from rows to circles in there and providing a place for community. We saw an obstacle and said, well, maybe here's an opportunity to, to, to help people step into what they were created for. On an average week, on an average week around here, we're serving close to 1,000 meals for our church community. Praise God for that. Obstacle to an opportunity. A couple summers ago, and since we looked at the state of the world, the community around us, there's a lack of awareness around topics of racial unity, racial diversity. There's a lot of confusion out there in the media and the culture about what that's all about. And so we started these Be the Bridge classes. This past week, we kicked off our second Oneness Embrace class. And you folks are funny. 15 people registered. 47 people came to that class on racial unity last week. Praise God for that, right? How cool is that? It's also a little plug to register ahead of time. Thanks, everybody. (laughs) Love you so much. We saw an obstacle. People are busy. People have games on Sunday. People have all these activities for their kids. Well, let's create another opportunity then. We created a Wednesday night worship service. What's our fastest growing worship service? Wednesday night at 6.30 because you just keep coming back and you keep inviting people. We saw an obstacle and God provided an opportunity. When the crisis hit in Ukraine, we didn't shrink back and say, well, it's on the other side of the world. We said, those are God's kids. Those are our brothers and sisters. And we care about people that are right down the street here that are homeless, and we care about people that are homeless in Ukraine. They're people. They're not refugees. They're sons and daughters of God. And you as a church, praise God, you as a church provided over a million dollars during the season of Lent for hope, for convoy of hope. Let me make it really tangible because some of you are like, numbers, numbers, numbers. Well, God cares about numbers because God cares about people and hearts, and that's what we're about as a church. But God also said, I'm willing to leave the 99 for the one. And for me, that one this last week was a young woman that has had quite the last couple years. So much so that it wasn't that long ago, maybe about a year ago, that she was driving in her car and she was this close from just ending it. If you think that we're like play in church and cute Lego illustration and all of that, this young woman was in our Alpha class. And I had no idea that this was her story. She, she is sitting amongst you every weekend. And she was this close to just saying, my depression, my anxiety is at an all-time high. It's severe. I just want to be done. I just want it to be done. But the church surrounded her with people that love her. She got the help that she needed. She got a, a Christian counselor. She's been meeting with people. She joined a small group. She took the Alpha class. She's, she's questioning. She's doubting. She's a seeker. She's wrestling with her faith. And last Thursday, we baptized her into new life in Christ. Praise God. God is still rolling stones. God is still, Jesus is still looking at impossible situations and turning obstacles into opportunities. Our world and our city and our lives are filled with obstacles. And I just want to 
ask you this question this morning as you look at all the ways that God has provided, all the things that he's done in our church for the last year and a half. What if the picture is in pieces on purpose? What if the picture of your life or whatever picture you have or ultimately the calling that God has put on your life is being handed to you piece by piece on purpose? Why? So that we might learn to trust. Give us this day our Costco membership. Because God, I don't want to trust you, and so I'm just going to stock up. God says, that's not how it works. I don't want a Costco membership relationship. Piece by piece by piece. And I'm going to put it all together. And it turns out that's the heartbeat of our scripture reading today from Colossians chapter 1. Now that you've heard that, listen to this. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, for in him all things were created, things in heaven and things on earth, things visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him. Have you ever wondered what this is all about, the point of all this, and for him. Verse 17, he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. In him all things, little buddy, hold together. And I know it doesn't seem like it right now, but God looks at you this morning and says, you can trust me that my hand is on it. I've got you. Yes, I've got the galaxies and the universe, and I'm holding them in my hand. God is epic, but God is also intimate. Do you want to know how intimate God is? If I need to convince you any further that God is holding it all together? Let me tell you about laminin. Oh yeah, this is very exciting. What is laminin? Does anybody know what laminin is? Any microbiologists out there? Okay. Got one. Hopefully I get this right, Sid. <laughs> Laminin is the tiniest, tiniest molecule in your body. It is the cell adhesion molecule. That was the response I thought I would get. <laughs> Revival is breaking out at Hope Elam because of laminin. The cell adhesion molecule is, 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 is in the shape that it's in to tell your cells what to do. Laminin is, does anybody know what rebar is? You ever built a house or seen that, right? Rebar is the, the steel that runs through the foundation that literally holds everything together. Laminin is the rebar of the human body. It is all over your body. It's holding everything in place. It's holding your, your skin on. It gives you the, the look that you have. It makes your body move. It tells your heart to beat. It's literally holding your body together. And I could tell you all about it, but you got to see laminin. This is an artist's rendering of laminin. And then on the, the let's see, on the right hand, or sorry, on the bottom is what laminin actually looks like. Zoomed in 10,000 times under a microscope. That is laminin. 
Can you give God some praise for laminin? I know. That is a microscopic thing inside of your body that is holding your body together and how crazy it is that the exact thing that is holding you together right now is in the shape of the cross of Jesus Christ that is literally holding you together. Amen? Give God some praise for that. That's it. So when Paul says he is before all things, and in him all things hold together, of course he is. Of course he holds all things together. He's the one that's holding you together right now. No matter what you think of him, no matter if you believe in him or not, no matter if you like church or not, no matter if you thought the sermon or the worship service was boring, he is literally holding you together. Oh man, God, I feel like I let you down. God says, you are never holding me up. I hold you up by my righteous right hand. My hand's on top of your hand. I created laminate. That the cross of Jesus Christ is literally holding us together. If he can hold the galaxies and all of creation together, I'm pretty sure that he can hold this church together. I'm pretty sure that he can hold your marriage together. I'm pretty sure that he can hold your job search together. I'm pretty sure that he can hold your kids together and wherever they go and whatever they do. Whatever you're doubting about, whatever your pain is, whatever your grief is, whatever your fear is, he's the one that can hold it all together. As followers of Jesus, our confidence is not in our ability to put all the pieces together. Our confidence is in the one that wrote the manual. Our confidence is the one that's holding it all together. Who says to you, just as I turned that day and I looked at my son and said to him, hey buddy, I am right here. I am right here if you need me. And you can try to fix it and you can try to do it yourself, but I would love to help you. Because I could come down any night and in a half an hour while you're sleeping, put that entire thing together. You have the responsibility, but I'm the one in control. You can trust me. I've got it, I've got you, and I've got this church. Amen? I'm going to continue to bless you generation after generation after generation. So wherever you are online in the room, let's stand together. Let's sing and worship a God who is holding all things together. Thanks so much for joining us. To find out more about Hope Elam, follow us on Instagram at hope.elam or visit our website at hope-elam.org.